Some of you have seen this before. This is an idea we introduced a long time ago, but the idea that being close in proximity is not the same as being connected. It's a huge difference. When I think about church, I've been around church most of my life, and much of what we term fellowship, I think about a fellowship hall at sort of an old school church. Much of what goes on in a fellowship hall or much of what we might term fellowship isn't necessarily biblical. So it's not wrong. It's just not biblical fellowship. So for instance, eating, um, meetings, small talk, gathering and discussing as the kids are involved in an activity, that may or may not be biblical fellowship. There are things in there that may be actually biblical fellowship, but much of what we term fellowship isn't necessarily distinctly Christian. In other words, you could do it very well without the Holy Spirit of God residing in you. I wanted to show you something that uh, shouldn't be new to you, but this is, uh, this is a word picture that really uh, is, a, is a metaphor for what we're doing around here. And the words make disciples are in red because Jesus said them, and we think they're super important. Um, Worship Community Share is a, is a is sort of a, a picture that we'll talk about. Um, but worship, if that's coming into a relationship with God, is beginning to worship God, and He places us in a family. He doesn't leave us alone. That's called joining the church. Worship and community have a point. So we don't just ping pong endlessly back and forth between God and one another, God and one another, but they have a point, and that is that they, they point to sharing. In fact, the word koinonia, some of you know the word koinonia, it's often translated fellowship. Koinonia carries with it not just the idea of having something in common. So koinonia fellowship is being in common, being in one place, sharing life together. But it also carries the idea of participation, of partnership, of contribution toward a mission, toward a goal. So we will never be as God designed um, if we aren't connected, if we aren't linked. So just being in, in proximity doesn't do it. Let me give you a couple of thoughts about what Christian fellowship is. First of all, Christian fellowship is with God. First Corinthians 1 says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship, koinonia, of his son, Jesus our Lord. So we all have this same starting point. When we think about Christian fellowship, Christian community, I'm going to use those words interchangeably. First and foremost, it's with God. That's what we have in common. Secondly is this. Um, oh, and by the way, so I would say that community groups, as we think about community groups, community groups are, um, are not just meeting with people, not, not just meeting with one another. It is meeting with God. So it is meeting with others, but it is meeting with God uh, with others. Secondly, it's grounded in the truth of the gospel. First John 1 says this. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship, koinonia, with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Here's a really key idea when you, when you want to get to the heart of what community groups are at Neighborhood Bible Church. It's fellowship around the Word. Every Sunday that you come here, we are having some kind of fellowship around the Word. We think that the cross of Jesus is so central. We think that he so clearly laid out what, how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to be about that we keep the word central to what we do. So it's not all about that, but it's central to it. Thirdly is that Christian fellowship is dramatized in communion. In 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing, he says this, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not koinonia? Is it not participation in the blood of Christ? 
the bread that we break? Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So every time that we take communion, every time we celebrate communion, what we're doing is we're actually participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's something Jesus left for his followers. Finally, one more thought on Christian fellowship is this. It's not easy. Sharing never is. Very rarely do you share, and it's just absolutely easy. Sharing can be really, really challenging. Philippians 3 says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share, koinonia, participate in his sufferings, becoming like him, Jesus, in his death. So death to self and living on behalf of other people, loving the most of these, loving the least of these, loving the worst of these, is really challenging. When I think about Christian fellowship and the word fellowship, how it's often used, I would say it this way. As a community group, you are not being invited into a potluck, but into a war. That's a huge difference. Will your community group have a game night? Maybe, but that's not the main focus of it. You are being invited into what you're already in, which is a battle, and you're invited into to fight for good, to fight in the way Jesus wants us to fight. When I come back to this graphic, I want to just show you that we're really laser focused around two main programs here. You may have noticed this if you've been around for a while. We program around two major things here. Ready? Sunday mornings, what we're doing here uh, would be around worship. It's developing uh, just a worship relationship. We come and gather. Worship is like breathing, by the way. So I don't invite you to a one-hour worship service uh, during the Sundays. That's terrible language. Um, that's like, let me have you breathe as a Christian for one hour. Welcome to worship. Worship happens all day, every day. And we're all made to be unceasing worshipers. We all worship something. So as we gather, Sunday gathering is just to sort of uh, encapsulate a week of worship and springboard a week of worship. So we program heavily around Sunday mornings. And if that is one pedal of the bike or one wing of the bird, the whole second wing is community groups. And community groups do all kinds of things that can't take place in a large group meeting like this. And so if I were to say, what would this most hit? It would most hit community, getting to express the one another's in scripture with a defined group of people. So we, we program around these things. Um, all kinds of amazing things come from this, by the way. There are all kinds of amazing things that our church members and regular attenders are involved in and are doing. And we hope these two programs sort of funnel those and spring ideas and form little partnerships that may not have happened otherwise. But you'll notice we don't program for everything under the moon. We actually think that having tons and tons of good options can actually sort of diminish two great options. Two great options in scripture are the great commandment and the great commission. What's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God first and love your neighbor as yourself. If you have a kind of worship that loses your neighbor, it's not biblical worship. And secondly, the great commission is go and make disciples of all nations. Not only baptizing them, but teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Do you see how our two programs are trying our very best to not lose those two great things? That's what we're programming around. Let me get into this, and then we're going to dismiss in a second, and you're going to get to have a few moments to just go and read what other people wrote. 
We got to hear from you. Now you're going to get to kind of go and read the input of other people and you're going to get to wander back around the room. But first, let me say this about community groups. The why matters. As we contemplate shifting our life and going into it, the, the why matters. So here's some things that are not the intended purpose of community groups. It's not to make new friends and have a swell time with people. Commonness is certainly a thing, but it's not the main thing. Many of you might have said, I don't need community groups, I already have friends. And I would put out to you that those may be two different things. Here's the second thing. It's not relationship insurance. What do I mean by that? That means, look, I paid every week with an hour and a half of being with you. Um, I listened to your sob story. You have to care for me now. In my community group, I build relationships with people so that in a rainy day, when I'm in the hospital, someone will come visit me. Do you see? Like that, That's relationship insurance. I don't think anyone goes in with an intent of that, like, for, like, like premeditated. But I can hear by the complaints of people that that's sort of the expectation that sort of crept in. Man, I paid for a long... I was with these people for six months and I didn't get out of it in my rainy day when I had an accident, what I thought I would get out of it. Here's the third thing it's not. It is not cheap seminary. What is seminary? That's where you're trained in biblical knowledge. It costs a lot of money to go to seminary. Your community group is not free or cheap seminary. That means this. The primary focus will not be on, on nurturing precise, actually not nurturing, pre, nurturing is a good word, but on getting to precise doctrine, systematic theology, or mental crossfit. There will be no Bible quizzes, patches, or gold stars given out in your community group. Now that being said, I think you will make new friends. I think you will have support. You know why? You care for the people you know. And if you get to know people in your community groups, you naturally care for them. The pastor doesn't have to call and say, hey, can you run and visit that person in the hospital? They've already done it because they know them. And I think by all means, as we fellowship around the word, you won't just grow in biblical knowledge, you'll grow in biblical living. So I think all of these three things happen. They are generous gifts that spill out of community groups. And we'd simply receive them. What I want to do is have you look at these three things, and I want you to think in light of eternity, where our work is going to be tested up, and all that's frivolous is going to be burned up like a Duraflame log that's going to be like last maybe a couple hours, and poof, it's gone. And that which is pure, that which is eternal is going to last. I want you to think about community groups and the investment in community groups in a biblical, eternally-minded way, and how frivolous these three things would be as to why you would invest in a community group. It is short-sighted just to expand your relationship network. It is short-sighted just to have some people to support one another. It is short-sighted just to grow in knowledge. The objective of all Christians is to make disciples, watch this, of the whole world, teaching them to observe everything Jesus commanded. Have you read the Bible? It's a big book. There's a lot in there. When I look at that, and by the way, as a, as a part of that, we teach them, but we walk with them, and we risk loving and serving those who hate Jesus and don't esteem the Bible. This idea needs an army of people. It needs a cohesive unit. It needs a commanding officer calling the shots and directing, and directing the play. This sounds like biblical language for the church. 
So when we talk about community groups, let me shift your mind into some other things. I think better language might be this. A community group is a platoon to train with. I hope that every community group will sharpen you theologically. I hope that you will role play and have drills. You say, man, I just got hammered by my neighbor on this theological idea. I had no answer for it, and I'm supposed to be ready to give an account. I sort of know it mushy in my mind. Can you guys help? Can you guys help? And you guys sort of role play and think that through. I think a pl- platoon to train with is a, is a good thing. Also, accountability to keep you on track with the mission. Here's another thing. Community groups are God and others focused. I pray that you will enter this building every single Sunday, if you're a Christian, with your mind first on God and then on other people. Do you know what's not commanded in Scripture? Self-love. It's assumed. We love ourselves. It just says love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't say love yourself really, really well. Work hard at it for the first 30 years of your life because you're going to need to really exert some energy here. Now that you've got that figured out, start loving other people. No, it's it's assumed. Of course you love yourself. You care for yourself. Now, love other people in that same way. So I I pray that we would have our community groups be others-focused. Let me just tell you how different this is. And if you've said this to me, I'm not calling you out. I've said this to me. (laughs) How different this mindset is, though, than this. I'm not being fed. I don't feel connected. I am not being welcomed. Um, Quite frankly, and I would speak to myself in this, this is the language of the self-obsessed. This is the language of someone who is at the center of their universe and everything revolves around them. Our community groups are a place to express the one another's in Scripture, which we're going to be um, looking at a lot in the, in the weeks and months to come. Thirdly, it's a foundation to grow even more community group, uh, even more community. Community groups are not the end all. I think a one and a half hour community group midweek is just a diving board to sort of launch and springboard other community. In a busy place like this, doesn't it just make sense to devote time to something, to set time aside? It's actually a statement to yourself, to God, and to other people that my priority is people. If I don't devote, if I don't carve out time and make a, a, appointments, I will not have time for the things that, I, that are important. So this is a way of sort of steering your time towards something. Let me give you one more. I think that living in Christian community is an apologetic of Christianity. It's a defense to a watching world of Christianity. Here's what I mean by that. John 17, 20, Jesus says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That is, disciples that receive from Jesus have passed on through generations, and here we are sitting here. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Watch this. So that, there's a purpose clause. It has a point. This fellowship with God, this fellowship with one another has a point. What's the point? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. So you living in Christian community is an apologetic. It's a defense of the Christian faith. This must be true. Why are you friends with those people? They're so different than you. And you have the opportunity to open your mouth and say, we're, we're one in Christ. Those are my brothers and sisters. That's why. And we get to live that out. Here's my last slide. As we give opportunity in just a moment to go around and meet some of the leaders and actually take sign-ups, interest sign-ups for community groups, I want you to think about these three, three things. 
Um, consider the life has called us to live. Um, and if you know that where you need to go is onto a freeway, even if you're a brand new driver and you hate merging, you'll do it. If you are utterly convinced that's the right way to go and you'd rather go a different way or not go at all, but if you're convinced that's the right way, then, then you'll get over your fear and you'll do it. Secondly is this, be attentive. I won't ask you to, to tell what yours is, but every one of you who drives is distracted by something. You know why? We can all multitask. Doesn't driving warrant our full attention? It does, but how often does it get your full attention? You're driving a weapon that could kill a cyclist like me in a heartbeat. We are all distracted drivers. Doesn't it take intentional focus to go, oh yeah, I'm driving, that should be what I'm doing right now. I think that living in communities is exactly the same thing. I think we can very easily get sidetracked and distracted by things, and it takes intentional energy to go, oh yeah, this is important. It doesn't feel important right in the moment, but it does. And when I say hit the gas, I mean this. Sometimes you're behind someone and they're emerging on the freeway. What are they doing? They're idling or something. I don't know what they're doing. But in my less holy moments, my less patient moments, I can be... I can be heard saying this. More often I can be thought saying this, and this is a, something that God's working on me. I'm thinking, it's the pedal on the right. Use it! Like with some force, hit that puppy, go! Some people live their life ready, aim, ready, aim, ready, aim, plan. Let's start the process over. Ready, aim. And they never just execute on this thing. I am praying that you hit the gas and that you merge into something. I am praying for and looking to celebrate in another season some great things because of some seeds that were planted uh, this morning. So with that being said, I want you to go back around now. We're going to take just a few minutes to go around and just look at what other people have said, um, and then we're going to move on to some other things. So jump up and, uh, and read what, uh, what these other ones have said. Take Take 30 seconds on each one. We'll, do, we'll take like two or three minutes on this. So jump up and wander around. So we wanted to take a couple minutes just to have people call out things that were uh, surprising, were inspiring, thought-provoking, adorable, whatever. Okay? <laughs> so uh, you can raise your hand or you can just shout out anything that you noticed that uh, struck you. Yeah, there's a lot of commonalities in these pages that you maybe didn't think there were going to be. So it can be, it can be scary, scary and uncomfortable. Yes. I think one of the things I was encouraged about was it was neat to read how many different ways people are living out community right now. Yeah. Um, you just sort of have a general sense of that, but it's neat to see it written down. Very much worth it. Uh, the words back there are like safe and loved and accepted yeah. yeah the rewards are great i think one of the things we're really trying to communicate this morning is this if we tie this to worship uh if you know as americans we're we're, we're pragmatists does it work right and sort of what's in it for me and it's really good to get these not only barriers and hurts and fears but also the rewards of it but what we're saying is this, as Christians, we're not doing a cost-benefit analysis. We do that in our minds anyway. But we're really saying, gosh, as an act of worship, God, how do you want me to take us a, a step closer to your church family, to be connected with other people? 
We are, we are image bearers of God, and God's a speaking God. So he reveals himself. He, he lets himself be known, and we're wired that way. We want to be known, and we want to, to know other people. Sin mars that. It perverts that. It sort of steers us off of that and makes us fearful. So the whole big thrust this morning is this. Um, larger than community groups, larger than you entering a program at a church. That's not what this is about. But as an act of worship, God, I want to walk in obedience. I want to be discipled to obey a command and trust that, that you have what's best for me in mind. And we're trying to, trying to cooperate that. And so this isn't a, you know, this is very Jesus-like in terms of he knocks and then he waits. He woos us and invites us. He doesn't headlock us and drag us. So no one's being dragged into a community group this morning. No one's being guilted or shamed into a community group this morning. We hope you're being wooed into uh, to participate at a deeper level, even despite the fears and barriers, even despite what you might already be doing. So. With that, why don't we shift gears? Okay. Um, Audrey's going to lay out the theme. We have a theme this morning uh, that kind of is going to carry us. We've, we've done this traditionally in the back of your booklet. In fact, you can remember past themes that we've done. This is done really prayerfully. This isn't just sort of a cutesy thing. We really feel excited about this theme known, and Audrey's going to kind of lay that out for us. So, Okay. Hi. Good morning. Like Dave said, we'd like to model, we'd like to woo, we'd like to show what this can look like. On the front of your handout this morning, the theme this season is known. There's a lot of levels to that. There's a lot of uh, aspects through community groups that you will that you will experience. We have chosen four different images. We're going to come back to these images throughout this season. We're going to ask for your feedback, for you to have more of a chance to speak out, to write a little thing, write a poem, draw a picture. What does it feel for you to be known? Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to share a little bit this morning, just uh, the background, the thoughts behind this theme prayerfully put forward here. Um, I'm going to read a little bit because I get nervous when I have to share in front of everybody. So um, bear with me. So what does it mean to be known? Uh, the reason we have so many different pictures, the reason we have so many different responses is that the answer is an intimate one. It's as unique as each one of us in this room. We're all going to see it through our own lens. That's why it's, I'm just honored to be here to, to see the honesty that came up as you responded to the questions. This is going to be an ongoing conversation, like I said. We want to hear from you. We want to see how things are moving throughout this whole season. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So I'm not going to t try to define known for you, yourself, because I can only speak for me. I will try to impress upon you the importance of two things, though, today. And the first thing is a vertical truth. So we serve an all-knowing, infinitely creative God, and he is able to know each one of us intimately. He knows us, and he desires that we know him as well. Psalm 62, 8 reminds us how this goes. It says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. He reveals himself to us in scripture. He gives us his promises in the truth. He's a relational God. John Piper preached a sermon last year about being fully known and truly loved, and he summed it up like this. 
He said, if you have succeeded like I have in not telling everybody or anybody everything, you haven't succeeded with Jesus. He knows absolutely everything about you. There are no secrets. You are totally, completely known by Jesus. That's amazing. The person who matters most knows most. The person whose judgment is all important knows all. Let that sink in. You are totally known. You've never had a feeling. You've never had a thought. You've never done a deed. There's not been a twitch in your brain or your body that he hasn't known fully and completely, vastly more fully than you know. So this is a God who desires this. And still, we, we have fear. We have reservations, right? So the second truth this morning is a horizontal truth. God has built us to live in community. We do have a desire to be known, to be understood by our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. But we're fickle about this, if we're honest, and we hide behind our busyness or a carefully created image, or we just simply withdraw instead of engaging. Living together, like Dave said, in community is very challenging. Uh, thankfully, that's why the Bible has a lot to say about it, right? One of the verses that I'm continuing going back to in my life is Romans 15:7, where he says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is a continual challenge. Christ welcomes us. He woos us. He welcomes us again. We fall. He welcomes us. We go back and forth. This is the horizontal challenge we have with each other. It's not like we say hi, we're friends, something happens, that's it. We continually welcome one another. We bring Christ's love back to the forefront each time. He pursues us. Uh, the alternative to that, when we fall back on our own desires, if you're not in community, the, the dangers are great. You could stay stuck in your sinful patterns. You could be isolated. You'll just be maintaining a facade. You'll be putting up walls. So in an effort to show you about being known, I wanted to share a little this morning. Um, Kirk and I care a lot about community. If you don't know us very well, um, we know what it's like to enter as the newbies. We know what it's like to enter people in. And we know what it's like to even come back to a place in a different season. Uh, the story I'm just going to share this morning, I don't think even Dave knew. <laughs> we almost didn't stay here at NBC, to be truthful. We love the biblical truths being taught, and the people seem nice, but we were suffering very silently for a long time with infertility. We uh, were struggling to start a family at a time when NBC was just teeming with babies and young families and children, and every single Sunday was almost just too much to bear. So we hung back, and we withdrew. And it took us several years, I think, before we actually sat down at a welcome lunch with Dave and had a conversation. And we finally felt a little bit seen. And we started to talk to other people and began to share a little bit of our story. And then we were a little bit heard, and we started to feel known. If somebody isn't known, it's very easy to make assumptions. So if you looked at our family now with three vibrant girls all perfectly spaced apart, it would be natural to assume that things have been very easy for us our whole life. But you wouldn't know the tears and the prayers and the heartache that we endured. And I couldn't tell you about God's faithfulness. 
I couldn't tell you about his timing and the way he tenderly held our hearts through a very long season of hurt. We have dear friends overseas whose youngest is much younger than their other children. And maybe you look at that family and you think, oh, it was a happy accident. You could assume that. But then you wouldn't know of their hurts and their fears and their prayers and the miscarriages that they suffered. But they also couldn't tell you about God's faithfulness and his love and his timing and his goodness through a long season of hurt. So that's why we care about being known. So that the assumptions fall away and you can see people for who they actually are. More recently, when we moved to the Bay Area, it was our NBC friends who came joyfully to our house and unloaded things. And my non-Christian family who was with us was amazed at the, the relationships that were still here. Um, we could finally call this place home when we came back here that first Sunday to hear a sermon surrounded by people that know all the bad and crazy parts of our story also. Uh, Like Dave said, community groups are not just Bible studies. They're not just social events. They're both. uh, They're messy humans who commit to spending time together because they know it will deepen their understanding of biblical truths, and they know it will sharpen them and challenge them to be better humans in Christ-likeness. I would really like to thank you again for sharing your hurts and fears today. There is risk and vulnerability and commitment and all those things that make us uncomfortable to talk about. Uh, Hopefully, though, you'll experience a community group like ours that's gotten really good about talking about uncomfortable things, and we actually love each other more for that, I think. As As we go forward, I'd also like to thank you for your ideas. I'd like to hear more about the things that you're doing to honor the ideas that you have and to bring more of a sense of community into each of our lives. We have a very caring church here at NBC. If we know what your needs are. There are people here whose shoulders are strengthened by many years of suffering and they are happy to bear your burdens with you if they know what you're suffering that's living out Romans twelve fifteen. I think Christian community, when it's lived well, when we have God's grace and power working in that, that's a glimpse of the kingdom. That can strengthen the faith of fellow believers, and it can inspire hope in non-believers. So what we're asking for is to think about that, maybe take a chance on that experience in the upcoming weeks. Thank you.